This is the life. The great outdoors. Beautiful. Just sitting out in a fire in the woods <laughs> with flora and fauna surrounding us, just in case the sound effects aren't good. <laughs> There's uh, crickets and an owl, just in case you haven't been able to afford copyright-free uh, sound samples. Yeah, there's frogs. That's a quick, quick side note, just while, mm. just while we're out here enjoying nature. Yeah. Have, have you ever heard my crow impersonation? I haven't. Go for it. It's pretty good. Ready? Go. Yeah. Is it more like a sheep? Is it more like a sheep? I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, I wouldn't if you had done that noise without having told me what it was beforehand. Yeah, I would not have gone to crow. Oh, I probably God. would have thought elderly man fallen over at the shopping centre is what I was thinking. <laughs> Help but, me, uh, yeah. please. <laughs> have you have you heard my magpie? No, hit me with your magpie. Right, here <laughs> not bad. That is actually fantastic. Anyway, that's enough of a couple of nature boys getting one with nature this week living off grid oh don welcome big episode today bumper episode it is a bit of a bumper episode it's a bumper we've got living off grid We've got tiny houses as a little sneaky second topic. We've got a mm-hmm. social etiquette segment. We've got special correspondents reporting in on both of these topics. There's a lot to get through today. But before we do, how's your week been? What's been happening in, in D-Town? Surprisingly little has been happening in D-Town. The only thing of note that's happened, two things have happened. One, I went to a Halloween party and a little thought occurred to me that, uh, you know, when you're, you're at a party and you're drinking from a can, and at some point, the beverage just becomes something to do in between awkward silences <laughs> when you're just having a chat and, you know, it's you can kill a good three or four seconds just by taking a long sip. <laughs> I, I just noticed at the time, at some point, I was just pretending to have a sip and there wasn't any, like I hadn't had a drink in the, in the can for about 20 minutes, <laughs> but I'd still do that motion for a while. Just just to help the awkwardness go away. Has that, do you do that or is that just me? Absolutely not. I have had full skulls of an empty can just to fill an awkward silence because I'm like, you can't expect me to talk when I'm, when I'm drinking this, uh, this can of drink. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, even make, I'll even double down on it and I'll have a drink of nothing and then go, that's a bloody good drop. That's pretty good. I'll double down on it and I'll mention how good the drop is and then just hope they're not going to ask for a sip. Luckily, in COVID times, that's helped me a lot. No one's going to ask for a sip. I could sit on that baby for a few hours. Even when we were kids in primary school, asking for a sip of someone's drink was, was a big thing. It's essentially you're making out with them. It's germs. <laughs> it's germs. Boy germs or girl germs. Yeah, it was a it was a big deal. Remember, and you'd make the biggest show if someone if you had a sip of someone's coke, you'd make the biggest show of wiping away the germs. Oh, you'd get your jumper <laughs> sleeve out. You would wipe off oh. all angles of it. <laughs> Probably the filthiest school jumper sleeve ever. It's like <laughs> dirt, tan bark. Yeah. Probably some human excrement. You make I don't it, know. It's, it's a statement, though. It's better than your saliva, what I've got going yeah, on on my sleeve. <laughs> yeah. This gross bit of fabric is still better than your mouth. All right, there we go. 
<laughs> no, I'm uh, here and I feel you on the old pretend sips of drink out of the can. The so, only other thing yeah. that uh, that happened of note. So I was, at, I was at the shops and this old woman who must have been at least 100 years old just sort of looked at me and just said, flies down. <laughs> and then she just hobbled past me. Bit of she feet. was like 105 years old. I just felt <laughs> like... I reckon once you get over a certain age, you shouldn't tell people about their fly. I, I didn't expect it to come from her. And I was like, eh, I've just been owned by Beryl. A bit of, a bit of feedback yeah. on the fly from Beryl. Yeah, that is, uh, she's put you in your place there very well, Beryl. <laughs> she sure has. I don't know. I've just spent, a, for various reasons, a little bit of time in kind of aged care homes for various, over the last few years. And old people can be fairly brutal in their feedback about things. It's like toddlers. Yeah. Tod- exactly- I'm always nervous around toddlers. <laughs> And I'm nervous about anyone after 80 because they just don't care. <laughs> they will tell you the absolute truth and I'm on edge the whole time. I can't relax. I'll, I'll come out of the one visit to an aged care home having 50% of the people told me bluntly I'm too fat and then the other 50% tell me I'm a bit of all right and I should come more often. If, I, if you ever want, and this is a, a blanket statement to any person out there with low self-esteem about their looks, go to an aged care home. They will... You can look like garbage and they'll call it ice cream because <laughs> that is... It's an, it's an ego boost. <laughs> um, Alrighty, Donna, we should, uh, we should segue into the topic here. So just a quick little side point around another very successful poll for the topic. Yeah, breaking rec- into double figures, yeah, I think, at this it, point. Well into double figures, well. We... Between the original post and a few shares of the post, I reckon we almost got 20 reactions, Don. That's big time. Big time. Did we? That's even more than I thought. Oh, yeah. Still embarrassingly low numbers. No doubt. But <laughs> slightly, <laughs> slightly less. Unless it's, yeah, look. It's, it's, incre- it's not great. It's incremental improvement. We might though. do another one. Yeah, it's incremental now, the improvement. Issue, the, issue is, the issue is is that we are very picky about the topics we do and I'm not thinking hard enough about the four options you're putting up. Because <laughs> and I know you're not, you're approving them too quickly. You send me, I'll send you the text. Going, okay, here's the poll. You'll go, no worries. I know you don't want to do three of them, and there's yeah. only there's only four options. Yeah. and this is one of those. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I have some empathy for you because when well, the living off grid is a very interesting idea, and actually, I think Haley H was the original s- suggester of this topic. So mm. she's on a streak. She's actually on a hat trick of suggestions that become episodes. So she's done it again. Yeah, that's right. But she probably won't get the hat trick. But don't worry, don't let it get you down, H. Never discount H. She's she keep will, them coming. She will come through with the goods. Yeah. But the living off grid thing, the the lifestyle is fascinating. But once you scratch below the Don's definition level, you you end up deep in the middle of a bachelor of renewable energy that is so complex yeah. that it quickly becomes quite dull so we're gonna we're gonna have to approach this one a little bit differently yeah researching this made me realize there's literally no chance of me ever living off the grid because (laughs) that's like it is actually really interesting and people that do it like hats off to you amazing i reckon i did about 57 percent of a sustainable energy degree (laughs) it it got it got complex so i'm i'm presuming that you came into this with a don's definition and then you tapped out Am, am i right there Absolutely not, little Lukey. I have committed to this task. The team, the definition team, have they've put everything else onto the back burner and they've concentrated <laughs> on living off the grid. All right, let's just crack on with Don's dumb definition because that's how I felt 
when I realised how little I knew about uh, about this topic. <laughs> but off the grid, it's basically it's a it's a characteristic of buildings, or it's actually also a lifestyle designed in an independent manner without reliance on one or more public utilities. So off the grid, the term refers to the electrical grid, but most people off the grid are referring to electricity, water, gas, and sewer systems. That's right. So you can kind of be partially off the grid by being self-sustaining in in some of those utilities, or you can be fully off the grid if you're completely independent in how you do all of that stuff around water and sewerage and electricity and... Um, gas, like that's kind of the, the degrees of being off grid. Now, I, when I was researching this, I came across a little quiz to see if you're suited to the lifestyle of, of living off the grid. So, you know, let's do I'm going to just come right out and say that neither of us are, but let's go for it. Okay, so the first one, I'm okay without the creature comforts of modern society. Nah. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm self-sufficient, creative and comfortable in confusing circumstances. I'm just confused. I, I panic. Okay. I panic. I sweat. I get flustered. I'm handy with repairs or willing to learn. Well, <laughs> it's not my strength. Um, I'm willing to work hard and get dirty. Nah, I'd rather be clean and just have a good time. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not suited at all to living off the grid. So I knew that coming coming in. I'm a soft. I'm a soft city city liver. The I, I, I am obviously exactly the same. We did a, I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast, but we did a camping trip across the United States a, a few years ago. And yeah. it was like John Candy and Steve Martin on the great outdoors. I'm not sure if they were in that movie, but it was like, we, <laughs> we just had no idea what we were doing. And well, we did- hang on a minute. I had, I had an idea what I was doing. <laughs> you, when you, you, we had to set up a tent each time. And Luke was the only person who took longer to set up his tent at the end of the trip than at the beginning of the trip. He actually, it, it took, he didn't learn anything. In fact, he lost knowledge. He lost knowledge he never even had. We were all asleep and he was still banging in, banging in nails. And also he had, for some reason, and you know, I have never, I haven't seen you naked since you were two years old. I'm going to put that right out there. But when you were bending over to hammer in a nail, your uh, buttock crack Literally went halfway up to your shoulder blades. I don't know what's going on back there, but instead of like, I started with coins, I ended up putting notes in and it was like one of those machines. It'd spit it back out if it was too wrinkly. It just, <laughs> <laughs> just kept trying to put it. <laughs> no. <laughs> to try and flatten it out. No. <laughs> At one point, you seriously put half a branch down the back of my pants. Because you every day every the game was that was a trunk. That was a trunk. trunk. Every day the game was when Luke's setting up the tent. What can Don get down the back of his pants before he realizes it's there? Quite a fun game. (laughs) Good, good to play. I thought I actually started a compost there. I didn't realize till three three months later. It was great. Talk about renewable living. It was great. He had some work. I thought I was just leaving a bit of a thirst trap for fellow campers because you can get a bit, uh, get a bit lonely, but no. <laughs> yeah, so we know we're not suited to off-grid living, but the the idea of unplugging, having the freedom and, you know, it's good for the planet, it's, good, it's kind of good for your lifestyle, you're out in nature, although there is this kind of bit of a misconception that you can be off-grid in the middle of a city it's it's absolutely it's yeah. not necessarily going into the wilderness like that into the wild movie it is really just about are you plugged in 
to the, uh, the the public utilities or not. And I and, and generally people are using solar and generators and wind and um, hydro to create their own energy needs. And so they have less costs in terms of this bills and they have more freedom of lifestyle because they've got less kind of debts and bills to pay. So I'm a massive fan of this uh, this movement. I'm very interested in it, even though I know I could never do it myself. Yeah, I think it's great. Like, And I think in the long term, it is cheaper, but a lot of these things, the power sources, setting everything up to be sustainable is pretty costly. And yes. in the long run, you'll get your money back, but it, you know, it's not a cheap... You're not going out to live in a shack. Well, you can, but if you do it well... Um, there's quite a bit of outlay in the beginning. Yeah, you're, you're playing you're playing a long game, and so I guess it's it's hard to tell like how many people are living off grid. I saw some figures that were very old. Like I saw some figures that were about ten years old that said in the US, you know, there's probably about three or four hundred thousand homes that are off grid. But I imagine by now there's an awful lot more than that. Did you mm. did you get any figures around how common this is? No, no figures. Um, <laughs> That's all I've got to add to that. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we're not really sure how common it is, but I guess the the most common reasons people seem to be doing it are the autonomy, the reducing their environmental impact, the economic advantages of it, and then the lifestyle side of it. So it just feels like a more natural way of living to kind of be more at one with nature rather than plugged into this kind of consumerist capitalist society that... Don't get me started on society. It's it's doing a terrible job. It's doing a terrible job of looking after us. So yeah. there's a lot going for it as kind of, I'm going to tap out and I'm going to live life my own way for a little bit. I find that idea very appealing. Very appealing. Yeah, I can understand why people do it. Yeah. Uh, so let's look at some power sources because there's a bunch of different options. And once again, I really didn't know many much about it. So your obvious obvious option for power is solar tiles or solar panels on the roof. I think Tesla are making tiles, basically it's, just tiles that go on a roof. Oh, this is the... Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. When I was doing the... And I didn't come across that. But I have one of my hobbies is inventing things that have already been invented. Yeah. And as I was... <laughs> Good hobby. <laughs> as I, was, I have an idea of something that keeps time. And what it does is it counts each second and <laughs> it lets you know how many hours in a day. I once had a conversation with my wife going, we need something that just... Heats up food really quickly. And she goes, well, it's, called a micro- yeah. it's called a microwave. And I've gone, okay, what about something that cools food down really quickly? And she's gone, well, it's a freezer. And I go, yeah, but you can't set a timer for the freezer. So I won that argument. But yeah, yeah. I, reckon, I reckon a freezer microwave, I've thought of that as well. Yeah, freezer microwave is genius. Done. Now, those of you who watch MasterChef would realize they've got this thing called a blast chiller. I don't know what it is. Is that a freezer microwave? It probably is. Okay, but okay I've <laughs> no got- timer. I don't know if there's a timer on there. I'm sure there is. I think we've invented something that already exists. Yeah, a backwards microwave. I'll get behind that 100%. (laughs) It's a good idea. (laughs) But the the, the solar tiles for the roof, I remember thinking, like, you know, why don't they make the plane out of black box material? Why don't they make the roof out of solar panels? And it's already done and they're incredibly efficient and they're very sturdy. You can walk on them. Like solar tiles seem like a fantastic kind of next step. Yeah, so that they've been made. Um, I think a lot of people were saying, particularly in Australia where we have so much sun coming down, very strong sun, is that when you start making roads, make them out of some kind of solar panel material. Oh, good. So, you know, I don't know. I think logistically that's going to have a lot of issues. But 
uh, it's a good idea because it's just they, you know, the roads bake in the sun. Like there's a lot of energy being wasted that way. Um, loving it, loving it. Yeah. Okay, so you got solar tiles or solar panels. You've got residential wind turbine, which is obviously, um, I guess you'd have to be on a hill or something, but uh, that creates electricity. You've got a geothermal heat pump. Do you look into those? I'm going to be honest with you. When it, whenever it's a geothermal or biomass, yeah. I just walked on. I yeah, uh, fair enough. <laughs> Long story short, I had no idea about any of this. Long story short, somehow it's a heating and cooling system that transfers heat to or from the ground. So apparently six meters down in the earth, the temperature is constant. It doesn't change. I didn't realize. Six meters is not very far, is it? No. Is it like a a constant toasty warm because it's closer to the core or what's the... No, so it's 10 or 16 degrees. So in summer, it can draw, I guess, coolness out of the earth. And so in winter, it'll draw, you know, the, the temperature six meters down is enough to draw heat from that and then get that into the house. Oh, so That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. It's like, well, I'm sure this is a, a point we'll, you'll come on to later. But when you read this kind of stuff, you do get a bit frustrated that there are so many amazing creative renewable energy solutions that we just aren't investing in and doubling down on. And we're just stuck on these old ways of creating energy. It's kind of annoying. It's as yeah, because you've a, got big conditioner running the show. <laughs> they're trying. <laughs> they're just trying to sell more units. <laughs> big conditioner. Um, <laughs> uh, the next option: micro hydroelectricity, which is just using water, running water. So you'd have to be near a river. That uh, and then there's a bunch of hybrid systems. So they're they're your main main options. I'd go the geothermal heat pump just because oh, yeah. it makes me sound smart. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um, I, I read that there are some, obviously mostly this happens at the individual home level, but I read that there are some communities that are completely off grid. And the biggest one is in New Mexico in the United States. And again, I think they need a bit of a rebrand because there's this, this, this massive, massive plot of land that can fit about 130 homes. 60 homes are kind of occupied at the moment and the entire place is off-grid and they use a lot of recycling products to build the houses and it all seems really cool, except they've named it the Greater World Earthship Community. Yeah, okay, that just sounds like a cult. Yeah, it's like a yeah. cult You're waiting any for any ship kind of reference. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like Scientologists yeah. trying to do a rebrand. Exactly right. Which is a shame because they're probably nothing at all like that and they're just it, environmentally it, conscious people. And that seems exactly it. Like you you, you own your, your plot of land, you own your house, you pay 150 a year for kind of community improvement stuff. And other than that, it's all kind of sustainable living. Sounds great. Just uh, yeah, don't call yourself the earthship community. <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the key take out there. Now, I'm going to stick it down to business here. What we're all interested in is what's the toilet situation when you're living off grid? Because if there's any of the grids that I'm a fan of, it's the plumbing grid. You want, you want any of, anything that comes out of that area whisked away as quickly as possible. And as someone that shared a bedroom and toilet with you for about 15 years, I, I second your interest in the plumbing system. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so toileting options. So the first option is the composting toilet, which uh, it basically works by separating the liquids and the solids. I don't need to go into more detail there. 
But uh, we all know what I'm referring to. And essentially, the toilet has a trap door that leads into a lower tank and the liquids are directed to the front tank. So obviously, once stuff comes out of your own trap door, it goes into a second <laughs> trap door and um, separates the liquids from the solids. Um, now, apparently, the, the first thing they're worried about is the smell. Apparently, the smell is actually caused by moisture. So once it dries, it doesn't smell at all. I didn't really? really think about that, but that's probably true. It's the moisture. That's true because when you you know the old when you see old dried out white powdery dog poo, there's no smell there. So yeah. that, that holds up, and that's how it works. So every time you use the toilet, you add a scoop or two of pine shavings or coconut husks, um, which absorbs the water content, aiding in the breaking down process, decreasing the smell. There you go. Excellent. And bonus points for referring to your bum as your own trapdoor. That's uh, yeah, I had to make a trapdoor reference. I do apologise. Uh, the second option. I've never been so excited about a topic. Oh, can I, I just say something? Yeah. You, you've started this episode with, wasn't that interesting? You were smashing this. You've gone types of energy. You've gone sewerage systems. You've, you were blowing this out of the park. Just a little bit of feedback mid-episode. Yeah. No, it's actually, it is actually pretty interesting. The second uh, toilet option is the incinolate toilets, which require power for heat, which is considered a bit of a drawback, but it works by evaporating the fecal matter using heat to warm it up and promote drying. Essentially, you're cooking your poo, you're baking it, <laughs> um, aiding in the dehydration of it and the breakdown. Apparently, it goes down to a fecal chamber and then it turns, it dries and turns to dust and you can just chuck it in the bin. Fantastic. Yeah. This is and good, the last it? one is this self-sealing cartridge composting toilet. Apparently, this is, this is what I'd be into, <laughs> is after doing your business, you push a button and then the plastic bag just wraps it up and seals it and... Hopefully that's a environmentally friendly plastic bag. I'm sure it is. And then you chuck it in the bin when it's all sealed. Perfect. Or yeah. the fourth option is obviously our old favourite, the long drop. The long drop. Yeah, yeah. Of course. That's true. Goes without saying. Yeah. Um, and I went on a big oh, big old geez, tangent. You, you can't be stopped. You, yeah. you are non-stop. This is non-stop. About people. <laughs> apparently I read something and then it was like about how urine isn't actually sterile, but everyone believes it's sterile. And it went into this whole tangent about how the former Indian Prime Minister used to drink his own urine and think it was like a health benefit. And he lived to the age of 90. Correlation doesn't equal causation. <laughs> um, but then also nephrologists, who are sort of like, you know, urinary tract kidney kind of doctors, back in the olden days, they didn't have tests to figure out diabetes. So it was their job as part of their assessment to taste the urine to see if it was sugary. And if it was sugary, you had diabetes. Jeez, that's a tough day at the office. Yeah. You wouldn't want to be giving your, your, your husband doctor a smooch on the, on the re-entry from home. Absolutely not. And then they said, just to clarify, most of them didn't swallow it. It was like they would have spat it out like a good wine taster, is what, <laughs> is what they said. Now, you know, we've done a little bit around the block there on living off grid, but we, we are very lucky in the What's That About community to have a listener who actually lives off grid half the year. So uh, one of our listeners, Alicia, who lives in Finland, originally an Australian who lives in Finland, spends six months of the year, five nautical miles off the coast of Finland, living on an island in an off-grid house. Now, I'll say up front, she is doing life better than we are. Her life sounds absolutely incredible. Oh, like, it just is ridiculous. And so, she's sent us, we sent her a few questions and she sent, she very kindly 
recorded her answers and just told her a bit about how her life is. And I'm going to just say it. She has a better life than mine. Her life. That's good. Her life is way better than our life. It is so interesting and so adventurous and so natural. What are we doing with our life, Don? I don't know. I don't know. We need to go have a long, hard look at the man in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> but it is. We'll, we'll play you. Um, we'll, we'll play you kind of an edited little little uh, highlights reel of. We ask. Um, we ask a range of questions from you know why did you live off grid and what's it like best things worst things, um, and so here's a bit of an edited package from Alicia's answers and a massive thank you to Alicia for for answering these. I should tell you first where we have our off-grid place. Um, it's on an island about five nautical miles from mainland uh, towards Sweden. We bought the place about eight, nine years ago now. And when we bought it, it was a little tiny shack on the place and then a few buildings that were never completed. So we completed one of the buildings and that's where we live off-grid <laughs> It's three times three meters, and we have two kids and a dog, so it's pretty, it's, it's pretty squeezy in there. Uh, we own the property around it, which is about 15 hectares, and that's forest. And then because it's on an island, we have about 500 meters of beach, um, which is a combination between sand and small stones and then larger rocks, so it's... it's it's quite an interesting landscape there. Uh, we do have a telephone connection, well, a mobile phone connection. Electricity, we have solar panels. We currently have two installed, and we have another two that have been ordered, but we haven't installed them yet. Uh, we do have a generator, which runs on 98 octane. Fresh water is one thing that we need to get drinking water, and we have... 10 litre um, jugs that we go and collect it in from the harbour where we have our boat situated. Staying off grid, you need to know, you need to have some basic skills. You know, my husband and the kids and I all know how to gut, gut and fillet the different fish that we catch, burbot and perch, pike, salmon and so on. Uh, you know, we're quite handy with, with knives. Uh, the children, for example, have gotten given knives when they were five and six. You know, they often get a knife, a new knife for their birthday or something. So, I mean, we're all, we're all fairly capable on both water and land. The kids know how to shoot and fill petrol, know which, you know, if it should be two-stroke or four-stroke, what, what type of machine it is that they're using. Uh, they know how to drive the snowmobile and the, the various boats, they can sail. My youngest, who's eight, he likes to chop chop timber. So he'll prepare all the firewood. They know how to light fires. And the best thing, I'd say, is, is you know, to have the isolation, to get back to nature. What a legend. How interesting is that? First, The first thing that hits me is her children are more competent than we are as grown men. And everything. Like, they're getting knives for their birthday and I still need to put a cork on my fork so I don't hurt myself when I'm eating. That's that's how it is. I can't be trusted with sharp objects. And they're, like, starting fires and fishing and gutting things. 
absolutely incredible. And I'm just going to say right off the bat, you know, I think she's, you know, as an Australian living in Finland, they're getting an amazing uh, childhood. Oh, incredible. I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. The, I, I do a little bit of camping occasionally and often when I'm, I go with other families and if the fire needs to be lit, the kids and I will defer to the some of the, the men in the, and I'll be like, Jeremy, can you start the fire? The kids and I are keen to roast some marshmallows. Like that, yeah. that, is, the, that is the reality of the situation. <laughs> in terms of our handyman skills, and I'm going to just say out there, I'm bad, but I think you're probably worse. I'm going to say, I don't think there's anybody who is worse than me. <laughs> That's how bad I'm going. There's a company in Australia which is kind of marketed towards single women called dial a hubby which is where essentially a dude will come out and do handyman he's just a handyman service but it's called dial a hubby you've actually used dial a hubby is that correct i have called is it dial a hubby or hire a hubby i've i have called it doesn't matter Uh, hubby's the one hubby's the thing we're interested in luke not the is it dial or is it hire you're trying to deflect No, hiring is much less emasculating than dialing because hiring. (laughs) Yeah, dialing is a little bit like you're sliding into a hubby's DMs. Yeah. Is what's happening there. (laughs) Dialing is like, oh, help me, help me. Hiring is, I'm using my cash (laughs) Um, to procure the services of a hubby. Yeah. (laughs) I actually, to be honest, there was one occasion where, because I just wanted a few different quotes on a job, I did, I did call hire a hubby. That was. Not not the not the best week of my life. It was the best week of my life though. It was great. I would have kept that on the down low personally. But um but can you imagine living on an island off the coast of, of Finland and you have you know, you're obviously you're killing fish, you're cooking it, you're you know, going on your snowmobile across the ice, you're yeah. Like it just seems like a uh, such a and and I just feel like you've you there's this old theory around how that humans uh, the our biology doesn't match modern life very well and when I hear these natural kind of lifestyles it's like you're realigning how humans are meant to live like it just feels nice like I just I just I just think very admirable people that take the plunge and and start living like this yeah yeah well done well thanks very much Lisa we really appreciate it and. Um it's if we had any merch, we'd send you some, but we don't. So we're just going to have to say thanks. And let's move on to our second topic, which is a mini topic. Kind of related, actually, yeah. really. Would you call tiny it a, houses. Would you call it a tiny topic? Thank you very much. Uh, I guess. Um, tiny houses, the tiny house movement. Well, this is another... Obviously, you can be in a tiny house and not be living off grid. That's they're two, very, they're two very different things. But you can be in a tiny house and be living off grid. And a um, lot of them do live off grid. Yeah. Tiny house living has always interested me from the idea that there's a whole bunch of people who are saying, I don't want to be weighed down by an enormous mortgage and then work in a job I hate for 40 years to pay it down so I can then retire and start enjoying my life. And so there's a whole bunch of people, I'm going to reduce my debt, I'm going to live in a smaller house that's probably just what I need rather than living in a little McMansion and that's going to free me up to make all these decisions about how I spend my time, the kind of work I have to do, the time I get, how I get to spend the hours of my week. Like I'm an, an enormous fan of the tiny house movement, except for the tiny house mm. part. I, I don't want to live in a tiny house, yeah. but I want I want everything else that comes with it. <laughs> I agree. I think that you know the theory behind it's solid. Totally understand, but 
I just don't want to live in a tiny house. <laughs> it's, it's too tiny. It is absolutely so, yeah. too tiny. It's a house. <laughs> it's a bit small. It's, small. it's a little. <laughs> it's a little bit small. So when we're talking tiny, obviously you can have small houses, but for it to be a tiny house, it needs to be less than ninety-three square meters as the footprint, which is about two meters wide by four meters long and three meters high. So it's almost like a caravan. And I did read an interesting stat, just a bit, as a bit of background, that in the United States, the size of the average family home over the last 30 or 40 years has more than doubled or tripled in size, while the size of the average American family has reduced in number. And so we're living in these enormous yeah, houses with less people, and we're taking on a lot more debt to do so. Whereas a tiny house movement is kind of a bit of a, a revolution saying, we don't actually need that much space. And if you free yourself from that debt, there are a lot of good things that come with that. Do you think they're right? I, I, I don't think you can, you, you can't knock the logic. I just think it's often, and we'll, we'll get onto this in a minute. I've, I've got three kids. I can't live in a tiny house. But my, what are you looking at doing to your house? What do you mean? Just making it a little bit larger than what it currently is. He's doing a renovation to enlarge his house. <laughs> He's the opposite. I'm just I'm just sticking together six tiny houses. That's all. That's all. That's all I want to do. And he's got more grid than he needs. He's got an excessive amount of grid. I'm going to put it right there. He's a grid glutton. <laughs> so I think less. I think I read a stat that less than one percent of homeowners live in a tiny house, so it's, it's quite uncommon. It can cost from twenty to fifty grand to build a tiny house compared to the average cost to build a house. Obviously, that's significantly cheaper. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of makes a lot of sense here, and we are very lucky to have another correspondent for the podcast who actually lived in a tiny house. Don, yeah, brother Christian and his wife Alice built a tiny house. Um, I can't remember how much it costs. Maybe like twenty grand. I can't remember. Um, it's typically you know anywhere from maybe 15 to 60 grand, a lot a lot cheaper than a house. And they built it on the back of a, I think it was a, a large trailer. So it could be moved. Which is apparently, um, apparently one of the tactics is, because there's a whole bunch of zoning regulations around dwellings. So often you have to build them on trailers so it's not viewed as a permanent dwelling. And therefore it's prohibited by camping regulations and whatnot. So there's there are some reasons why they're often built on trailers or, or various devices. I think there's something there's something going on there. Mm. I, I, just a quick side point. Our brother actually built their tiny house. So one of the Martin brothers that has the competence to build a tiny house, I think we need to, we need to check his birth certificate. That is not the Martin brother way. We are not able to build houses where did he get these skills from? Yeah, I always kind of assumed, you know, when you're a kid and you see your dad doing all these amazingly handy things and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, when I'm an adult, that, that'll be me. Well, I'm now an adult and I'm less handy than I was. I don't know. like, It's not coming. It's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. I feel <laughs> it's an issue. I thought I'd know by now. I thought magically I would just know how to do stuff. Nah. Nah. I, I had to screw a window lock on the other day and I couldn't I couldn't actually get the screwdriver to screw the lock into the window so we had to get did a did you try turning it didn't work nah they had to get this guy from around the corner to come in and screw the the window in I was like thanks mister like was this guy was he a husband he is a, he is a husband yes did you ring him up did you dial him 
to get him over here. I text I text a husband. <laughs> text a hubby. There you go. <laughs> we sent a, a bunch of hard-hitting questions to our brother and sister-in-law, Alice, about um, what tiny house living is all about. Let's, uh, let's listen to the tape. It was uh, in part a financial decision. Um, we thought we could build a tiny house and live in it for a few years in a friend's backyard and it would be cheaper than paying rent or paying a mortgage. Alice? On top of what Christian just said, we wanted to live by ourselves and rent in Boulder was pretty expensive and we knew that we didn't need a whole lot of space. Really, like as busy as our lives were in Boulder, we spent a lot of time outside. We mostly just wanted a quiet, comfortable, small small but high quality space to be able to um, like make good meals and have restful night's sleep. And um, we didn't feel like we needed to pay thousands of dollars a month to do that. Um, so when the opportunity came up to be able to build a house in our friend Ben and Janai's backyard, um, we were away. It seemed like a perfect opportunity. I think almost everyone perceives that you have to feel cramped in tiny house living. And while it is a fundamentally smaller space than most people are used to, the key is not filling it with a lot of stuff. And um, so, yeah, basically just like sort of paring down and not anything that you don't use regularly, not having it be a part of your everyday life. And that really makes your um, space feel a lot less cluttered. And when you think about it, what you actually, the amount of space that you actually utilize on a daily basis is really, um, you know, like mostly walking to and from rooms. And if you take out all of that transport space, um, you know, you just need a place to sit to have a nice meal. You need a place to sleep and you need a place to like change your clothes. Um, and that all doesn't actually take that much space, especially once, um, the same space can be utilized for multiple purposes. I, I would add that um, <clears throat> the biggest misunderstanding is that you have to give a lot of stuff up. But then the devil's advocate would say, well, you didn't have to give stuff up. Well, where did you put all of your crap? Yeah, you just got to be creative and possibly have a garage on the property that you can <laughs> store your other things. I think that's easy. So that's actually, <laughs> that that that's a, um, that's a little bit of a cheat and something that often happens for folks living in tiny houses is that you don't need to climate control everything you own. And for us, we have a lot of outdoor gear because we spend a lot of time outside and all of those little sort of pursuits have their own specialized piece of equipment. And so it was really helpful to have, um, a, uh, a storage space where we could keep bikes and skis and, um, camping gear and that sort of stuff. I think the best thing about living in a tiny house is that it takes literally like four minutes to clean the whole thing. And so you spend very little of your life managing your space and making it feel clean and tidy because it you don't end up having those like big massive like, oh, I just need to like spend the day cleaning the house. Um, that's really awesome. And I think we had the benefit of building, kind of conceptualizing and building our tiny house uh, along the lines of what we were looking for. Um, and so I think for me, the best thing is this, like, it's like, um, it's like my first child, <laughs> the tiny house. I'm very emotionally attached to the tiny house. And I think that is, um, yeah, 
a really awesome thing about being so attached and, and so enjoy living in a little place that you built yourself. You know, very again, very interesting the way that Christian and Alice obviously have a lifestyle where they're like, oh no, we're mainly outdoors. We don't spend a lot of time indoors. It's kind of a functional thing for us to be indoors. Like that is such a, a different lifestyle to what I live. Like I will spend three hours on the couch watching Netflix every night. Um, yeah. I'm always indoors. I'm rarely outdoors. <laughs> outdoors is... <laughs> there are the elements, there's strangers. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, but obviously for them, it worked really well. And, and the emotional attachment to the house, I think, is really kind of noteworthy in that interview. Um, but again, I don't know if, it's, if, if I could do it, but I'm clearly hearing from them... They really enjoyed it and it worked super well for their lifestyle. Although... Yeah, they're, little, they're very different from you and me. <laughs> yeah. little cheeky... Uh, I reckon they had a tiny house, but they had a triple garage set on the shed on the side for all their equipment. Yeah, well, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely cheating. <laughs> <laughs> the trick is to put it all in a large mansion. <laughs> <laughs> now, they... Um, they kind of answered our, our sensible questions, in a, you know, very insightfully. But we did actually send them a whole bunch of other more what's that about style questions that I don't think they found as humorous as we did. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just go through a, f- a few of them just for, just for the record. Okay, so there was a few, a few kind of uh, questions we threw their way. Started gently, you know, so what about toilet noises from your housemate when you're eating a succulent meal? It's a very, Good. very reasonable question for a it's tiny a house. question, yeah. Next question. Do you sometimes pretend you're a giant, which you would? How could you not? Of course you would. Next question for Christian. What led to the theory that your house size needs to match your penis size? Yeah. It's cheap. But it works. But so is a tiny house. So <laughs> it's a cheap joke. Cheap house is, is kind of the same. And my personal favourite. How do you resist the urge not to come out of your house each hour on the hour and say, cuckoo, cuckoo? They didn't find that funny. Neither will the listener, I think, but uh, it's amusing me and you, so that's the main thing. Excellent. Thank you to Christian and Alice for those uh, those answers. So that's that's living off grid. That's tiny houses. That is some fantastic ideas about how we should be living our life that are going to be hard for you and I to, uh, to take on board. Particularly with your renovation. Oh, yeah. uh, second story, I think. <laughs> A large second story dwelling, I'm going to say. <laughs> and you're a piece of shit is all I really want to say. And you should be ashamed of yourself. Okay, now we have the, <laughs> the social etiquette segment. Cue the music. If you've got a social problem that makes you want to run and hide, then we recommend you listen to Luke and Don's Etiquette Guide. Luke and Don's Etiquette Guide, if you want. Ah, oh, Don, I love a social etiquette segment. It's probably my favourite segment that we uh, yeah. that we do. No is one it, else likes it, is but it, that's fine. Is, we do. Is it the only segment we do? I think it's all right. We tried one. Uh, what was our other segment that we tried? <laughs> Was there a weird news? Weird news. <laughs> yeah. That weird news lasted. Didn't even finish the segment. I think we pulled the plug <laughs> mid-segment. Didn't last one segment. Yeah. It's our only segment. So, <laughs> it's my favourite segment. <laughs> so, today's social eti- etiquette segment that I want your advice on 
is, have you ever been in a situation where there's someone who you, obviously you're friends with them, you spend time with them, but you don't want to spend all your downtime with them. Yeah. And so just say you're, just say you might see them midweek and they'll throw out a, ah, so what do you, you know, what do you got on this weekend? Like a vague general, what have you got on that covers the entire weekend? Yeah. And then you might be thinking in your head, I'm, I've seen you today. I don't want to see you again on the weekend. I've got other people I want to see or I've got other things I want to do. But the, the question has covered the entire weekend. Yeah. So you end up in this position where you, you need to, you know, effectively cover against the follow-up. Oh, we should do something then. Because if you say not much, that's what's coming. That's true. It's a leading question. It's a leading question. So you end up kind of going through hour by hour for everything you've got on, trying to show there are no gaps for us to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> or you do the, <laughs> the vagueness, which is, oh, yeah, now we've got a bit of, bit of stuff to take care of around the home and oh, we're catching up with a couple of people, which is possibly too loose and that could lead to a, ah, if you're, if you're free at any point, it'd be good to go and have a round of golf. Um, how do you handle these, uh, these leading what have you got on for the weekend questions, Don? I'm going to split this into two parts. One is if you don't have kids, it's difficult. If you have kids, they are just a built-in excuse, having a kid. <laughs> Johnny's a bit grisly. Sorry, can't make it. Johnny's a bit sick. Can't make it. Like conjunctivitis again. Oh, who would have thought? Like you can just make up just some garbage Bloody about a kid. Yeah, bloody kids. And yeah, pretend that you'd love to catch up. Unfortunately, you know, something's going down. If you don't have kids, then my advice is just to keep it extremely vague. And so what would that sound like? Give us the, give it, so if I've said to you, just Let's say do a role play. it's Wednesday, right? It's Wednesday afternoon. We've just Hang finished. On, what's your name? My name? What's your name or what's my name? Well, my name is Terence. Yeah. And your name is Philip. All right. We've just finished a game of squash on a Wednesday night. That's what, ah, good. we're part of a, uh, a, a, a tournament series. I don't know. Yeah. End of the end of the end. We have a little Gatorade on the, on the benches. Sure. Ah, Philip, what's uh, what do you call me, Phil? I've been saying it for years. <laughs> call me Phil. Goodness I prefer, me. I prefer the I prefer the formal. Yeah, uh, Philip, what, <laughs> what, what do you got on for the weekend? What's what's happening? Ah, oh, mate, what haven't I got on? For one, um, <laughs> just a bit of this, bit of that, bit of everything, bit of nothing. <laughs> Yourself? Ah, oh, just I was keen to uh, go and catch the uh, the new. Uh, Sylvester Stallone movie at the cinemas. Um, well, well, let me know how that is because, uh, you know, like I wouldn't want to see it, but I like to just keep in touch with what's going down with Sly. So just let me know. Oh, what about, what, could you catch a beer at some point in the, uh, in the, on the Sunday? I bloody wish. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I bloody wish I could. Unfortunately, can't. So, you know, I just got a bunch of stuff. Just half an hour. You could squeeze me in for half an hour. Just, uh, just a little, just a pot, just a, just a pot. We'll see what happens. Pretty busy though. Don't don't st- <laughs> don't stand by your phone, mate, mate. But uh, Philip's a dickhead is <laughs> basically what I'm coming up with. Bit of a tool. <laughs> I thought you handled that beautifully. That was a- yeah. <laughs> that's great. Alrighty, so uh, vague non-committal answers to vague uh, weekend covering questions seems to be the take out there. Yeah, or just blame your kids. Bloody Which kids. Is, Bloody yeah. Kids. I've given that excuse for kids. I'm 99% sure I've received a fake <laughs> excuse for kids in my time as well. I've been Terrence. We've all been Terrence at times. And we've all been Philip at times. 
But um, and and when I cough, when I cop a kid excuse, I'm like, yeah, fair play to you. <laughs> You've earned this. <laughs> you break. played that card very well. <laughs> yeah. Seventeenth <laughs> conjunctivitis in a month. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that that'll probably about do us. What an episode. I'm exhausted. It is a long. I think this is apart from. I think. Our extra indulgent best bits. What's that about that we did that one time? (laughs) This will be our longest episode. Oh, an absolute marathon. Yeah. I need to go rehydrate. I need to get a rub down. I need to go and uh, wade in the ocean waist high. I need... Annoyingly, I've got to go catch up with Terrence, (laughs) which uh, I'm not not that into, but (laughs) I couldn't think fast enough. (laughs) One thing I did a little quick... I know we've we've kind of been uh, banging this drum a little bit lately... When yep. We are nearly at 100 followers on Facebook. So, if you listen and don't follow us on Facebook, that's the call to action for this week. Can you give us a like on Facebook to get us to, to 100 listeners? Let's be a little yeah, bit. We're doing, we're doing polls. There's a bit of engagement. Uh, it's all happening. Oh, it is it's all good. Happening. And also, check us out on Instagram. We've got about 40 followers so far, um, which is a lot better than I expected. Most of them are my friends. It doesn't matter. But you a lot of friends. Yeah, we do have some genuine followers. So check us out if you're on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. We're going to have some stuff a little bit extra. Um, I'm making this up right now, but we're going to have some extra stuff. <laughs> He's promising that's sizzle. Not, yeah, there's going to be some sizzle, and you don't want to miss out on that. So WTA underscore podcast, or just search in Instagram. What's that about podcast? Yeah, follow us. Beautiful. Alrighty, that'll do us. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. All right, see you guys. 